Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and today we have the pleasure of speaking with Jennifer Perea. What happens when you take a poor, first-generation, Chicana student and place amazing teachers and leaders in her path? She becomes an assistant principal with a trajectory to hit many heights. Jennifer Perea's leadership story is a unique combination of when school goes right for underrepresented youth. Her journey as a teacher, a senior team lead coach, and now as an assistant principal for Denver Public Schools has shaped the leader she is today. Jennifer truly believes that education is the key to change. This is why she has dedicated her life to working with administrators, teachers, and students in the quest to close gaps in our society. She leads by example and believes that when there is an opportunity to educate in any capacity, then we must use it as an opportunity to grow. She has a tough love approach and uses humor to build relationships and trust. Jennifer is strategic, organized, and loves working with any individual who is deemed tough to work with. She enjoys the challenge and believes that leadership is a journey, not a destination or a title. Through it all, Jennifer gives credit to all the mentors and leaders that have blessed her with their guidance and wisdom. She feels fortunate to have a solid cohort of amazing people to collaborate with, including her surrogate mother and fiancé, who are both educators. It is with this support that she continues to shape her journey and keep up the good fight. Welcome, Jennifer Perea. How are you? I'm really good. How are you? I'm doing well. We're so happy to have you on our podcast. And as you know, this podcast takes us on a journey to master leadership. So are you ready to pour into our listeners? I definitely am. Great. Now, Jennifer, can you tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now? Sure. I think this question for me was hard. I didn't know where to begin. I chose to start with my teaching experience. Mm -hmm. So I really think that my path to leadership really started when I became a teacher. And I was fortunate to teach for seven years at a school called Martin Luther King Junior Early College. And I taught middle school and high school there. Mm -hmm. My degrees in language arts, but I taught drama And I taught a class that I was fortunate to design myself called Latina Leaders. And that class really helped shape who I am as a leader. I was able to design my own curriculum for the class and really inspire students of color to love reading and writing. And so that's where my leadership journey began. And then I became a senior team lead and coach. My school and the population I served, there was a need for helping teachers really navigate through classroom management. And so I applied for that and I got the role and I served in that capacity for three years before I became an assistant principal in which 
I'm currently an assistant principal at a school just down the street called Knoll Community Arts School. You started as a teacher in middle school and high school, which is tough. I've done middle school before. And so it does prime you for leadership, doesn't it? True story. Middle school is one of the toughest ages, I think. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about Latina leaders. Like what motivated you to start that? I just really found that my students didn't see education in themselves. Mm. And so I was really trying to understand why and what the root cause of that was. And I just think that they do love reading and writing and things in educational world. They just don't know how to do that. And so for me, I was like, I need to engage them with some identity work, like who they are as uh, students. And so I really had this idea that if I could get all Latina girls and I could talk to them about who they are as young women and talk to them about who they are as Latinas, I could engage them in reading and writing. And if I could get texts that meant something to them, then I could see test scores improve, go through the roof. So I really pushed my principal at the time to please give me a chance and just let me teach this class. And it was so successful. The goal was if you can jump into this learning and take everything we've learned all year, we could make it meaningful by taking a trip. And so they got to choose, but they had to choose where they wanted to go and why. And the first year I took them to Washington, D.C. because they had been diving into leadership all year and they wanted to see leadership at its kind of core. And then the second year I took them to Puerto Rico because they had really decided that they wanted to serve other students that looked like them, like they wanted to serve other Latin people. And so they really planned all year learning and really preparing themselves to be able to go educate elementary students in Puerto Rico. I love this because I think it's just so smart. It's wise because you went to the core, right? You said that you wanted to focus on identity work and that's certainly the leadership skills, right? The social emotional skills that that you saw that they needed and they were lacking. Now, how did you recognize how important this was? I think it really stemmed from my own experience in education. I grew up in a poor household. My dad did not graduate. He barely didn't even make it through the 11th grade. My mom graduated high school, but she was pregnant. So they made her take like night classes and no one had ever went to college. So I really turned to teachers at school to help me kind of figure out who I was. And there was a key teacher who really understood that about me and really helped me find myself. And so I think it was really my own personal journey that helped me identify and be able to relate to my students and say, I get it because I was one of you. Right. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Now, how would you describe your leadership style? Kind of a tough love approach. I think that the tough comes from like a sense of urgency and me really thinking how important the work is. And I just set high expectations. I set high expectations for everyone, my students, my staff, and myself. I really just think we can't move forward if we don't really value the work. However, I don't think we can do the work. And I don't think as a leader, you can get anybody to do the work if you don't have a really good, solid relationship with them. Right. And not just that, but like letting them see that you love the work you do too. And so building relationships, letting them know that I'm right there with them in this journey, like I'm 
going to do the work as much as them. We're going to get to the core of whatever it is together, I think is the most important. So I set really high expectations, but I'm also very passionate and think that relationships are key. When you say you have a tough love approach, how does that play out? I think other people would say that about me just because I'm very direct and I'm very bold and I'm very much me and who I am. But again, like doing the work and being able to make sure that they know that I love what I do and that I love them and that I appreciate all the work that we do together, I think is where people would say, man, she's tough. Like she's tough on us. She really expects a lot, but she really cares about us and she really cares about what we do. I think that's just really important. I also kind of think my leadership style is just being strategic in the work we do and being organized. I think sometimes we think it's all love and all passion and it is, that's a lot of what I do, but really making sure that like, look, I have a strategy and I'm organized and I know how we're going to get there. And one of the most important things I think that you stand for is that you're a role model. You exemplify the leadership that you expect of others. True. Awesome. So Jennifer, which quote or quotes about leadership speak to you and why? I chose two quotes. I think that there's one that gets at the core of what I talk about, and that's one by Frederick Douglass. He says, without education, he lives within the narrow, dark, and grimy walls of ignorance. Mm -hmm. Education, on the other hand, means emancipation. He goes on to say, to deny education to any people is one of the greatest crimes against human nature. And I think he just really speaks to why I do the work I do and why I think that education can be a form of liberation and how if we deny anyone, anyone, any opportunity to learn in any capacity, then we are doing a disservice to humanity. And I just think that's so big, but so real. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the other hand, uh, there's a more practical quote I chose by Dolores Huerta. She's one of my favorite kind of activists. And she just says, every moment is an organizing opportunity, every person a potential activist, and every minute a chance to change the world. And I think she also speaks to the sense of urgency. But I also love the part that she says every person is a potential activist. I don't think we can do the work if we don't believe in people. So um, just really believing that there's an opportunity for every person out there to make some sort of change, even if it's within themselves, I think is really crucial. As you read that quote, it just reflected being present. And it seems like that's something that you practice and are intentional about doing. Yes, I think that people have to know that you're right there with them, that I'm kind of the person who will walk with you through the journey. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to tell you where to go. I won't necessarily tell you what's the best way, but I'll help guide you there. And I will work with you to get you wherever it is you want to go. I don't need to tell you where to go, but I can help you get to where you want to go. Now, What type of leader are you inspired by and why? I am really inspired by women leaders who are really fierce in what they do. I've had the opportunity to recently see my old principal speak at a board meeting, Mm -hmm. and she just reminded me of the kind of leader I wanted to be. I love her. I wouldn't be here without the guidance from her. She got up and she spoke at this board meeting and she's fierce, man. She's organized. She's direct. She's strategic in her words. Um, And I just said, oh my God, I want to be here. She's so inspiring. Like she's so not afraid to use her voice. And she's an African-American woman. And I think also it's really important for me 
to see women of color be mm-hmm. leaders and not be afraid to be who they are. Because oftentimes navigating through this world of education and being a woman of color is hard. And so for me, it's really inspiring to see people who are not afraid to use their voices and not afraid to drive the work. Fierce women who are strategic. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, what's the best advice you've ever received? I once got told by a principal, and this has stuck with me my entire journey, that I really need to be conscious of my body language. And I know that seems so basic, but what he was trying to get at was to say, you're a leader and other people look to you to react. They look to you to behave or to think, or they look to you for guidance. And so really being conscious of that, because I think that was the first time I was really like, oh, okay, people are watching you and people really look up to you. Mm -hmm. And so me really having to make sure that I'm always carrying myself in a way that's professional and inspiring and making sure that others, when they look at me, that they're really aware that I'm conscious of that. Another really basic, simple advice came from my father who said, don't be afraid to ask questions. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've carried that with me my entire journey because as leaders, I think we're often expected to have the answer Mm -hmm. and it's okay to ask questions or to say, I don't actually know the answer to that. Let me get back to that. Or let me figure it out with you, or let me do some research on this, because I think it's humbling in a way to be able to just say, let me ask questions about this and see if I can get to the answer. Being conscious of your body language is really important, especially as a Latina. You know, we're very Mm -hmm. expressive in our face, in our demeanor, in how we are. And so being self-aware as a leader is key because people are watching us and not being afraid to ask questions. That's great advice. Now, Jennifer, you've been in education how long? Going on 10 years now. So you've been experienced in building teams or being a part of teams. What does it mean to you to have a good team and how do you build and sustain one? I think the best teams are one in which we have representation from different sides and perspectives of whatever it is that we're getting to. Mm -hmm. And I think one in which we can challenge each other. Mm -hmm. So I think just being able to have like enough trust and enough of of a relationship that we can challenge each other's thinking to get to the best outcome. And I can think of a particular team I'm on right now in which sometimes people laugh and they're like, are you guys fighting? And (laughs) like, we're not fighting. We just honestly have that good of a rapport that we can really challenge each other's thinking. And I think that we literally get to some amazing results because we're able to constantly push each other. And you mentioned trust. How important is that in building a good team? And how do you cultivate that? Yeah, I think trust is key. I think it's easy to say, let's trust each other. And it's really hard to actually trust each other. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you cultivate that by just building a relationship with the members around you enough that they know that you're not going to use whatever information they give you in some sort of negative way. Like, honestly, 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 you just live it. You Mm -hmm. live it like you live it. You go by and you work with people and you let them see that you are able to take their information and use it for good Mm -hmm. and it never come back on them. I think it's really hard, but I think it's just about walking the walk and talking the talk and making sure that they can see that. 
And it certainly takes work and time. Yes, it does not happen overnight. It takes so much work and time. And I think sometimes it's just as simple as like thanking people Mm -hmm. and recognizing that their work is valuable for them to be like, okay, like she sees that I work hard. She believes in me and I'm able to go there. And also, like I said, I'm Latina. I'm not afraid to challenge you. So you Mm -hmm. come hard at me. And I always let people know that like, I'm going to challenge you. And I definitely want you to challenge me. Mm -hmm. And um, when they do that, I think it's really inspiring to be able to challenge each other and get there. Hey, leaders, if you haven't downloaded your copy of the Master Leadership Journal, go to masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ to get instant access and begin growing your leadership with questions that have been curated by top level leaders. I've also included some cool extras for you at masterleadership.org forward slash MLJ. Can you tell us about a challenge that you've experienced and how it's shaped your life? Yes. I think for me, my greatest challenge was learning how to navigate through a professional world in which I was not familiar with and an educational world. Like I said earlier, I grew up in a poor neighborhood. I mean, I honestly could have been a student that slipped through the cracks Mm -hmm. and I didn't have any role models at home that was showing me how to navigate through worlds of education. I remember when I first became a teacher, I used to call myself in the third person. So I used to say like, Miss Perea wants you guys to go sit over here or Miss Perea wants you guys to get into groups. And I didn't really understand that until years later when I was like, I didn't have an identity yet as a teacher or as a leader. And I thought like my world in this professional setting was so foreign and new to me that I hadn't built that. But when I'd go home, I could be who I wanted to be. So at school, I was Miss Perea and at home I was Jennifer. And really having to merge the two worlds and know that, no, 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 you are Miss Perea and this is the world that you are in and you're good at it. So accept it, love it. And it was really until years later that I was like, oh, that's why I was doing that. But I think that was the biggest challenge for me. And I think that it's important to understand that with others too, because we oftentimes have to work with parents or people in the community who don't find themselves in the world that I find myself in. And that's privilege. And I think being able to recognize that privilege um, is key in order to get others to buy in or invest or be a stakeholder in the work that we do. The work that you did to find your identity to connect with that is really important work because it does affect those that we lead. Yes, 100%. It affects those that we lead. We have to know ourselves before we can lead others. Right. And if we don't, we can do a lot of harm. I love how this drives the work you do now. And even when you created Latina Leaders, the identity work and how important that is, the leadership skills. And so I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Now, can you tell us about one of your greatest successes? Yes, I think I find my greatest success when I see others empowered and being successful. So I can remember watching my first cohort of students walking across the graduation stage and just feeling like I was a part of that. Hmm. And um, even further, watching one of my first students that I taught walk across the college stage 
and her really shouting me out for some of that. I think that is, was like one of my highlights. Um, That's a bittersweet moment though, right? Because you're like excited and then you're like, oh man, I'm getting old. Yeah, really old and nervous. You're like, dang, what, what's going on? I think another success I had as a leader is just watching my staff be successful. I recently was coaching a team on running a professional development and mm-hmm. they were so scared to get up in front of adults. Like they could get up in front of kids, but they like just had this fear of, and they always, like, you do it, you do it. And I have, no, we're going to practice. We're going to get through this. And they ran the meeting and it was so successful. And I could just see them at the end, like we killed it. We did such a good job. And I felt success from that. So well, that's powerful. And I love that because you look to others when you evaluate your own success, you look at those you lead and that's what good leaders do. Now, What would you tell a new leader who's discouraged about their working climate or culture? I would just say, remember why we do what we do. Mm. And for me, it's always, is this what's best for students? If I find myself stressed out or making a decision that I'm weary of or other people are telling me it's wrong, I have to go back to the core and say, is this what's best for students. And if I do believe it is, then I have to keep pushing forward and not be discouraged and find something that empowers me. I think it's really important for people to remember why they do what they do. And if it's not there anymore and there's no spark and they can't remember, then honestly, having that heart to heart with yourself to reevaluate that situation. Because I think the work we do is so important. And if you don't love it, then it's going to be hard to move forward. Right. I've heard you say you, you have good talks with yourself and that's important to learn to do. But do you tap into other people? Because sometimes you can't see the picture if you're in the frame, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so how important is it to tap into other people or to have a mentor or a coach? I think we all need to be coached. I think that it never ends no matter where you are in life to make sure that you're tapping into other people and getting advice and or reflecting on who you are and if that's where you need to be. I really look towards my fiance who's an educator. He's going to keep it real with me. He's going to tell me if I'm in the wrong direction. He's going to tell me if I'm in the right direction. I also look towards a teacher of mine who taught me in high school She is someone I call mom now. Mm -hmm. She had taught for 30 years. And so I always look to her for guidance and support, as well as people in my building, just to help me make sure that I'm on the right track and challenge myself. And what's the criteria that you use to select those people who will be speaking into your life? Honesty. I need someone who's going to be really honest, someone who is knowledgeable also and really knowledgeable about the work and I think I look towards someone who knows me as a person who will let me be me while making sure that they're pushing me. It's important that we select the right people that we have the right inner circle so thank you so much for that. Mm -hmm. Now many leaders describe themselves as lifelong learners what does that mean to you and what are you learning now? I think one of my greatest accomplishments would be learning and being able to love learning. Mm -hmm. I think that that's really key. I am currently learning how to be a great assistant principal and what that means and what that entails. And I'm really interested in 
learning about systems and structures and how that really impacts outcomes. Because I think sometimes we make decisions, especially in the education field, that don't get results. And I'm really interested in learning like how we get there and what we can do to change the system. Also, I just learn for fun. Like I like to just read stuff that's for my soul or dive into work that's revolving around something with equity. I love learning about disproportionalities in education and being able to try to put my mark on the change that I can have. Wonderful. Thank you. You're an assistant principal in a middle school, high school? It's a middle school. It's a 612 model, okay. but i am mainly been focusing in the middle school until next year in which I will kind of start navigating the high school as well. I think my boldness and my ability to <laughs> um, work well with kids is why people are like, you're really good with middle school as well, because you can talk to them. You can help teachers with classroom management, which I really think is just good instruction. Mm-hmm. But you're bold enough to kind of deal with this age group. And that's great because they do prime us. Now, if there were something you could change in education, Jennifer, what would that be? I think it would be really having education be more of a staple in communities. I think we don't do enough with community, but I also think the system isn't designed to really work well with community. So if Mm. I could change something about education, I think we have to really focus on the people because we talk about achievement gaps. We talk about opportunity gaps. We talk about how kids of color are not performing as well as their white counterparts, but we don't address the things that happen at home or the things that got the community to be where it's at. Like we know that it's systematic and we know that our families have been oppressed, but we tend to send them off to school and hope that magic will happen. And I think it does, but I think if I could really change the system, it would be to change the model. Like why does someone who's 12 have to be in the seventh grade? Why can't someone who's 40 and needs some of that support work alongside someone who needs to work with that same level? Mm -hmm. I just feel like we have such a traditional way of thinking about education. And I think we really need to move away from that in order to get to better outcomes. We need to better service our families. Yeah, we've been having a lot of conversations around that very thing. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Now, you mentioned you love to read. Actually, I've changed the question. What have you read, listened to, or watched that our listeners should read, listen to, or watch, and why? Mm. Like I said, I think I have to read stuff that feeds my soul at home, because of course, I'm going to do tons of reading about my practice and things like that at school. For me, I recently read Claudia Rankine's Citizen. And I love that piece of work. It's creative while at the same time still addressing like systematic inequities. And I also love poetry. There's a book called The Princess Saves Herself in this one by Amanda Lovelace. And it just, again, addresses some patriarchal inequities that we have in our society through poetry. And so I love the creativeness of those kinds of things. They kind of feed my soul to continue the work that I'm doing. But there's also a more practical kind of leadership book that I really look towards. It's called Solving Disproportionality and Achieving Equity, Mm -hmm. A Leader's Guide to Using Data to Change Hearts and Minds by Edward Fergus. 
it's kind of a book that deals with using data with regards to equity. I think quantifying equity is really hard. And I think that that book kind of gives you um, a really good outline on how to do that. Presenting important data. That's important, yes. But to change people's hearts takes a lot of conversations. It takes boldness. It takes perseverance, right? Yes. And we often know we're doing that, but we can't prove it. So I think it's important to be able to say the work I'm doing to change your heart and your mind is really valid. And here's one way in which I can present some quantifiable data for you to see that this is happening. Great. Thank you. Now, you have a lot of responsibilities, Jennifer. What do you do on a daily basis to set your mind? You know, I drink coffee. My favorite, yes. (laughs) Yes, and I listen to some good music. Mm -hmm. And I mantra a lot. Like, I constantly self-talk. Like, you can Mm -hmm. do this. You're worth it. It just gets my mind in the zone. Mm -hmm. And I laugh. I love to laugh. I love to be funny. And I rehearse. I rehearse my day. Like, this may seem weird, but every morning I'll choose, like, a meeting or um, a situation that I know I'm going to have with a parent or a student. And I rehearse it in my mind just to get myself prepared. I'll put on my makeup and I'll talk out loud about possible outcomes. I just want to be really prepared. So that might be the whole day. Like, I know I'm going to do this today and I'm going to just kind of rehearse and get my mind right for the day. I can picture you doing this. And I love that. Because what it shows is how much you care for those you serve. Because what you do is hard work. It's not easy to be that persistent, to know yourself so well. I have to tell you, I'm so impressed with who you are and how you're serving our students and our future. Because I know that what you're doing is not easy. And so I want to honor you. Um, Thank you. Now, many leaders put in long hours. What advice would you give about maintaining balance? I think you have to have fun. And I mean that both at school and not at school. School for me is my setting, right? But I think like when I'm off, it might be like a weekend. I'm going to have fun. I'm going to turn myself off and try to just be present and enjoy the moment. Or if it's a break, take a break, do something that feeds your soul, whether that be whatever, reading, listening to music, traveling. I love to travel. I'll go sit by the beach and just let the waves take me away. But I mean that at school too. We do work long hours, and I think if we can't have fun, then we're not going to want to do it. So, you know, whether that be in the teacher's lounge, making sure that others know that we can crack jokes, we can uh, lean on each other for support. I have this relationship with one teacher where they just need to read stories sometimes to get back in the zone. So they'll come in my office, they'll pick up this little book that I have sitting on my refrigerator called Chicana Falsa. And it's these short stories about identity and culture. He's Latino. So mm-hmm. he comes in and he'll sit there on my couch and say, I need reading time. And I'll say, okay, go. And we read like a five minute story. And then we just get ourselves, okay, let's get back to work. And we get back in it. Like we just need a rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the little things that we do both in and out of work to kind of rejuvenate our brains and our souls. That's pretty cool. What about physical exercise? Yes. Um, I think it's hard. Oh my God. I think it's so hard with the amount of hours we work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes I'll get off work and say, I need to go running and I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think it's so important to be healthy. And I love using my peers at work to do that. Like there's a lot of support groups that me and the girls have at work with biggest loser or health maintaining, or we'll use the gym at work 
We've even uh, Zumba'd in the classroom. Oh, my we'll favorite. put on yes. the, yeah, we'll put on the video and we'll just dance in the classroom together because we know we're going to be there long. So right. kind of planning that out and using each other as support. It is needed. I was working at a school and I didn't have the time to go to the gym. And so what I decided to do was have a class right after school. Mm -hmm. I would put on a Zumba tape and people would join me. And so that's how I got my exercise and I enrolled other people. That's important because that helps with our thinking, our physical health, and also kids are looking at us too in how we take care of ourselves. And in our communities, we need to do that. We need to exemplify that. Yes. Some of my favorite stories are kids peeking in the window, looking at us, <laughs> dancing around like crazy people in the classroom. It was, it's been very fun. <laughs> All right. So Jennifer, if you could go back in time, what advice would you give the younger you about leadership? Yes, I love this question. The younger me is so unrefined, so bold, so direct. <laughs> I think it's funny. I probably would tell myself, don't be afraid. It's not as scary or foreign as you think. And ego and titles do not define leadership. And mm -hmm. I think that I would tell myself that, to tell myself not to be intimidated by anybody who has a title and to instead use them as a resource. I think there's an intimidation that I had when I was younger. If someone said they were a doctorate, like, oh, I can never get there. Mm -hmm. I didn't grow up like that. I grew up from just a little girl in the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. and being able to say to myself back then, like, no, go seek those people out. Go talk to them. Um, you, you're just as good. We're all just people. And use them as a resource. I think I would tell myself that. Great. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners that we haven't addressed? Um, I just think that we need leaders who are conscious of what's happening in our society and who are willing to do the work. And I also just want to say to any leader out there who is doing this work, that they are valid and that they're not alone. Because I think sometimes we're doing this work so much that we can feel alone in the work. And I just want other leaders to know we're fighting the good fight together. Well, Jennifer, it's been such a pleasure. I want to thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. Hello, leaders. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.